You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, my man, how you doing? Corey in the house. Corey, it's good to be here. Corey is happy to be back on the Nosebleeds, talking some sports with my man, Kush. We got a lot to get into. MLB playoffs is coming down to the wire playoff pushes right there teams is neck and neck fighting for those final places and then of course we got some drama bewering up in the nba but let's start in the nfl because because the nfl we already know is king so let's start right there let's start off with the nfl because this has been one of the better starts first three weeks that i can remember in the nfl a lot of close games a lot of great primetime games a lot of uh, stuff has been going down in the nfl let's talk about it probably the biggest thing that came after sunday was Josh Gordon being reinstated and signing with the Chiefs. The former All-Pro wide receiver is eligible to play as early as this week, this Sunday, after being reinstated by the NFL. He was indefinitely suspended for substance abuse and PEDs. He's returning from his fourth, or sorry, his sixth suspension. And after being reinstated, he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs and has passed his physical. So he's going to start off on the practice squad, but he can be elevated at any time to the 53-man roster. And I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Last time he played football was in the fan-controlled football league with Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. But, I mean, the Chiefs, they're off to a rough, rough start. Last in their division, 1-2, losing to the Ravens and losing to the Chargers. And it seems like they could use a number two receiver. So, you think Josh Gordon, do you think he could be that number two receiver the Chiefs need? Just off of his, like, if he's still anywhere close to kind of could be that Josh Gordon that we saw lighted up with the Browns back in 2013, then absolutely. But the thing is, is that, like, sometimes you just have to worry about the focus with this guy. We already know like his biggest problems have not been on the field. It's always been off the field on the field. He can show up and he can perform at a high level at a high clip. It's just off the field. You kind of have to always be aware that this guy has an addiction. He has a problem and he definitely has had his, his battles and his struggles uh, throughout the course of his time in the NFL, out of the NFL And I really think that the only way you can get the best out of him is if you are making sure that you are monitoring him and making sure that he doesn't have enablers around him or anybody who's trying to get him to fall off the wagon, because that's the least, that's the last thing that he needs to happen to him right now. And I think, you know, you know, with the number of teams that he's been on and the number of chances and opportunities that he's been given, that just in itself shows you that he still has the capabilities of being a talented wide receiver. So I think on paper, I want to say yes, but because of the history, I just got a feeling that history is going to repeat itself at some point. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong here, 
But at, at some point, I think that I just don't know if if, if football is the right thing for him I, I, necessarily, because a lot of traveling, a lot of opportunity for him to, you know, get access to whatever he wants to get access to. And, you know, once he gets loose and once he gets out there, you know, he's he's he could fall right back into those bad decisions. So, I mean, I'm rooting for him and I'm hoping that he does have a successful time in Kansas City and he does you know, have his head on straight. He does have that focus of trying to be the best wide receiver he can be, because I think that he has the talent and the capabilities of having a big time season for the Chiefs, because outside of Tyreek Hill, they really could use a number, another guy that could take away a lot of uh, the pressure that's on Hill and Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being at the age of 30, I don't think you're going to get a lot of opportunities after this. So definitely needs to make the most of it. But I think the Chiefs if it works out, I think that is an absolute perfect fit for him and for the Chiefs as well, because they definitely need a number two receiver. You mentioned Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. They can only do so much. And Tyreek Hill, he's kind of been bottled up the last two weeks since week one, almost getting 200 yards. And we've seen Miko Hardman have flashes and Demarcus Robinson, but they don't seem that they can be consistent answers. So mm-hmm. I think if uh, Josh Gordon, you know, if he's still in good shape and I think he could fill the void of losing Sammy Watkins uh, this offseason, I think maybe the Chiefs can uh, get back on the winning side of things. But I'll say this, though, if there was an organization that he probably would be in good hands with, I mean, having Andy Reid, who had a son who had battles and I think even still has had his battles with addiction, Andy Reid already knows like he could relate, you know, somewhat maybe to Josh Gordon and kind of like give him help and give him advice and speak to him. I'm sure that they're already having, you know, conversations as as of right now um as how they're going to tackle this and how they're going to be able to help him be successful on the field but more importantly off the field as well absolutely moving on we got the cowboys and their defense despite losing arguably their best defensive player in demarcus lawrence who hasn't played since week one cowboys are leading the league in turnovers with eight of them through three weeks and i mean you look at michael parsons looking like the best defender in this draft so far second year corner Trayvon Diggs is taking a massive leap in becoming that defensive playmaker this year. And the defensive line, although they lost to Marcus Lawrence, they're generating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So, and even Jalen Smith kind of having a bounce back season. Uh, well, not from last year, but, you know, at once they brought in Michael Parsons, he was kind of getting, you know, talks about, is he going to see the field a lot? Uh, and whatever the case may be, but he's, when they move Michael Parsons down to that edge rusher to take up DeMarcus Lawrence's spot, Jalen Smith has been a great sideline to sideline linebacker like we know him to be. But with the defense so far, they've done well. They are 2-1, and one, barely losing that one game to the Buccaneers, defending Super Bowl champs. Do you think the Cowboys have a legit chance at the Lombardi this year? I do, but the problem is, is that history is not on their side. That's the only problem with them. And then also you look at the fact that while, yes, the defense has showed out and the defense has performed, um, they did get a little fortunate here and there against the Chargers, I will say that, because they could have easily lost that game. I I feel like that was a toss-up. They did handle business against the Eagles, which I think a lot of people expected. Um, but shout out to that one guy though that needed the Eagles to win that parlay though. Damn, that sucked. But you should have uh, should have learned from the Lions, the guy who needed the Lions <laughs> last week and should have oh just cashed out god. early. Oh my god, I felt so bad for that dude. But now, nah, um, just with the Cowboys, I think that I think it's too early to tell. You know what I mean? I feel like I need maybe like 
to see what they look like after week five to make like a a real like see if they are a real Lombardi contending team because I feel like they they've gone toe to toe with a, a strong you know Super Bowl champs defending champs team in the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks but other than that I mean the performances are kind of still up in the air for me but I think I think what's going to help them though is once they you know get back to being healthy that's going to be really good for them going forward, but it's just a matter of when exactly are they going to be hitting their stride? Because we remember when Zeke and uh, Dak, when they first bursted on the scene as that one, two punch on the offensive side of the football, that was what really put them over the edge, but it was the defense that was kind of shaky. If the defense is showing up and if the defense is holding teams and is providing the same level of turnovers and takeaways, then this could be a scary Dallas Cowboys team because they play in a division that's easily winnable. And you look at the fact that on their schedule, they have some quality opponents that can give them good tests and good preparation from once they hit the playoffs. So I think that after week one, I thought that that was a good uh, display and that was a good, you know, litmus test of where they, you know, could build from. And so far they've been, they've been trending on an upward trajectory I just need to kind of see a couple more weeks for me to finally say like, yo, they, they look like a legit, you know, you know, Super Bowl contender. Yeah, their offense has been great as usual, but coming up this uh, uh, this week, they have the Panthers, which is the number one defense in the league right now. So that's going to be a tough test for them, which is all eyes towards the defense and see if they can hold up if their offense do struggle. So um I mean, so far, its defense has impressed me. Leading the league in takeaways, sixth in the least amount of rushing yards allowed, and their top 15 teams in uh, points per game allowed. So now with that being said, I think they can move up a tier as a fringe contender, and especially given their division, I think that they'll easily win the division. But seeing how top-heavy the NFC is, I can't see them winning the Super Bowl this year over the likes of the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Niners, and the Packers. You so, might put the Cardinals as a sleeper team, to be honest with you. So. Cardinals, I haven't bought fully just because of the neither, head coach. Yeah, but they yeah, are and three just in the competition that they play, too. You know, a little right. bit has kind of been. They have a tough test yeah. coming up with the Rams this week as well, too. So that's exactly. going to be a good matchup. But uh yeah with those teams that i listed i just i I don't see the cowboys defense because we saw what they gave up to tom brady then again it's tom brady and the buccaneers who has ample weapons at their disposal so i think i think they're trending the right direction and but they're still fringe contenders and i don't see them you know having the ability to hoist the lombardi trophy yet moving on we have Justin Tucker breaking the NFL record for the longest field goal in history. And to add a cherry on top, it was to win the game with triple zeros <laughs> hitting the clock. So, I mean, you looked at that game. The Ravens, they were shorthanded on the defensive end. Clearly didn't deserve to win, in my opinion. They ended up <laughs> winning it. And in historic fashion, uh, last second of the game, Justin Tucker drills a 66-yard field goal that bounces off the crossbar and in for the win uh previous record holder was matt prater in denver back in 2013 he made a 64 yarder so justin tucker was two yards more than him which by the way like funny but matt prater attempted a 68 yard field goal this past week and was short and it was returned for 109 yard kickoff (laughs) oh my god return touchdown (laughs) so (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't oh know if he God. knew that Justin Tucker was going to break his record or something because they were trying to go for 68. But yeah, it went the absolute opposite way and turned into a Jaguars score. But with Justin Tucker, do you think he is the GOAT of all kickers? I mean, I definitely say that like with this record, he definitely uh he was already on the map as far as like being considered one of the top kickers in the in NFL history. I think a lot of people uh, will always kind of have Adam Vinatieri up there just because of the kicks at this certain time of the kicks, you know, on the biggest of stages for the Super Bowl, you know, winning a Super Bowl like that. But, um, you know, to make a 66 yard field goal, I mean, I, I would put Vinatieri just above Tucker, but, He's he's definitely right there. It's not to say that like that's a knock on Tucker. It's just that the longevity of Vin, Vinny's career and also when he was making those kicks at the you know at the stage of the game and on the stage that they were in in the Super Bowl, I think that just kind of pushes him a notch above. But if Tucker, you know, if he does like a sixty something yard field goal for the win in the Super Bowl, I mean, yeah, he, he he's definitely got a case for why he should be the go kicker. But that was just insane. But to Kush, if you if you I went on online and saw some reactions of the Lions fans that were they were posting and this one Lions fan what didn't show the kick but he showed his face and like yo when it hit the crossbar you just see this glimmer of hope of like oh and then like it went in and he was just like yo sat right down in his seat and he was just like bro that's just tough that's the definition of being a Lions fan right now I would say it's just like yo you think you're gonna I win. think Lions just, fan in general not just right now yeah, just in general yeah 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 just in general it's like the past you know what five to ten years has been that way yeah for me watching the game it was crazy so i was hanging out with the boys at milton sports corner i was watching that their place sports corner yes sir and uh so kyle who's an avid chargers fan they had just beat the chiefs and literally like 30 seconds later this kick is about to happen and the kick like kyle's already celebrating because the chargers won and i'm over here I'm on my knees just praying <laughs> to the TV, which is sad because I'm like, I should not be doing this against the Lions. But <laughs> here we are and I'm doing it. So I'm literally on my knees and I'm like just looking at the TV and the kick is up and it bounces. And when it bounces, I'm just like, that I see the I see the ref put his arms up and I just I literally started screaming. I started jumping around. I had really bad knees for you guys. that don't know. <laughs> But it didn't matter at that time. I was jumping all over their place. I'm pretty sure I might have got him a noise complaint as well, too. But, yeah, that was an insane kick. I was going crazy just because it's like it's insane. Because if you know Justin Tucker's history in Detroit as well, too, his one of his first start, it might have been his first uh, game in Detroit. He hit a 60 yard field goal to it wasn't to win the game. I mean, it was to win the game, but it wasn't like at the last second. Yeah, yeah, seconds left. But. He won the game with that field goal with six at uh, 60 yarders. So I don't know. And, what is and in the warm-up, dude was practicing 60 yard kick. Oh, yeah. He, he does that all the time. I remember also so he knew he knew it was coming. I remember one time also I was at the Chargers Ravens game. This was probably like two, three years ago when they were still at the Stubhub Center, the Chargers first year here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was at the end of the half, and Justin Tucker attempted a 70-yard field goal, and it was like short by two yards. And <laughs> <laughs> but it's just insane to have the coach has that much confidence in him. And I think if you're any coach, 70 yarder at the end of the half, it's like, dude, you have Justin Tucker. Why not? Like, just do it. But in terms of him being the greatest of all time, in terms of kicking, I think, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean, 
Vinatieri is the only argument I will take, but as of right now, I think Tucker, now he holds the longest field goal in NFL history. He's the most accurate kicker in NFL history, and he's probably one of the most clutch 16 for 16 in his career on field goals in the final minute of regulation. And he's now made 50 straight field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime. So I think... (laughs) I think you just got to put his whole leg in the Hall of Fame at this point. You know how they had the bust of the head? Oh, just yeah. put his, just just put put his, his leg, leg in there. Yeah. Just just make it a bust of his leg. So, hey, but let me ask you, though, before they even got to that point of the kick, that everybody's talking about it, 4 for 19. No, nah, I feel like not enough people are talking about it. Like, 4 for 19, Lamar Jackson does Lamar Jackson things and is able to somehow get them a first down. Yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I think, one of the things that not a lot of people talk about, about how he got him in that situation, because a lot of people, Lamar Jackson does get a lot of knock, and I mean, sometimes it's, it's rightfully so, because he's not a consistent passer, I will say that, but yeah, he dropped absolute beauty on fourth and 19 to Sammy Watkins, and yeah, and then got the first down. Sammy Watkins could have ran out of bounds, you know, they could have had like another play or two to make it a little easier for Justin Tucker, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter. But yeah, it was a crazy game. In uh, I mean, the Ravens were really banged up on the defensive side of things, but still, I don't think it should have come down to that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, a win is all that matters in the stat column. In One the last schedule. thing before we move on. Did you see the play before the kick? Did you feel that it should have been called as delay game? I know everybody was clamoring about like, oh, it should have been delay game. It should have been delay game. I'm so like, I know. I know the, on the, uh, on TV, a lot of the times, like, the, the technology is kind of messed up to where, like, the clock will just jump back and forth from this. Um, but, yeah, on, on TV, it definitely, like, it was a good three seconds after the play clock <laughs> hit zero. So I have no idea. And there were – some fans were saying that the play clock did hit zero in the stadium sometime, or some fans were saying it wasn't. So, like, I, it's a lot of he it's said, not she a reviewable, said. My thing is it's not a reviewable play, one. And then, two, it's based off the, the line judge. So yeah. the back judge, I mean. If he's the one that's like his job is to look at the football and it's to look at the clock and to make sure that that ball is out. He gets like a one like it's supposed to be like a one second delay, but that looked like it could like they said it might have been like a little bit over like one second, two second or something like that. But I'm like, bro, it's so close. And and, the thing is, and I don't mean to say this just because I'm a Ravens fan, but I think this happens a lot of times it does it like does. it's not like this is like oh my god like of course it was at the end of the game like the time it was at like if it was everything matters he, what he's saying that though <laughs> no yeah for sure this but the patriots though yo can you imagine <laughs> this is gonna be like yo of course it happens for the patriots but nah you're right though for real it, it does happen but i mean that just means lamar has to now convert a fourth and 24 so exactly which, you know maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't but yeah it's it is what it is ravens gotta win that's all that matters (laughs) let's talk about an outcome or storyline of week three that we didn't talk about that just kind of shocked you or you were in awe with or maybe that surprised you or interested you what uh storyline that we didn't talk about i mean ben roethlisberger i mean we've been talking about how ben Mm. roethlisberger kind of looks a bit uh has been looking kind of like you ain't gotta say it just say it yeah he's been looking bad these past few years he's been looking pretty bad these past few years but look man these past what first three games have kind of been like yo maybe he should have considered retiring like you know i hate to push people out of their profession or say hey you need to hang it up because look you're trying to hold on for dear life this is the last opportunity as a human being 
you can be an NFL football player. I get it. I totally understand. But they're just, I've seen, I saw last week's game, and majority of the passes that Ben Roethlisberger was getting off were either at or just, you know, like maybe five yards above line of scrimmage. Like he's not getting that ball down the field at all. And you can argue that receivers are hurt. You can argue that the rate uh, that the, excuse me, that the, the Steelers are banged up right now. I get it. I get it. They're in a bad spot at the moment, but if you just want to hone in on the quarterback position, and if you just looked at how he played this past weekend, there's no way on earth you can tell me or justify or try to come up with some sort of excuse that, you know, which is something that Ben loves to do <laughs> that, that this dude is going to play better as the season goes on. He's just looking bad. And it's going to look like it's going to be a long season for Roethlisberger, especially if this is the, the last dance for him. It's like, bro, maybe last year, I know you didn't want to go out the way you went out, but maybe that's just how it should have been. And you could argue it, it he just kind of maybe held, held the ball on, you know, just a little too long. And maybe that's what the Steelers problem has been is just relying so heavily on him to be that QB one for these past three to four years when they should have maybe been investing time, investing more draft capital, investing more focus in getting the next quarterback to replace him. Because, I mean, you know, you don't want to be put him in that situation, but it helps. I mean, look at what happened with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Like, Joe Flacco knew Lamar Jackson is on that bench, but he's not going to be on that bench forever. I got to make sure that I don't give them a reason. Because, I mean, if you have somebody there on the bench, it forces Ben Roethlisberger to have to play well. And if he doesn't, you can take him out for somebody else. They're not going to take out Ben Roethlisberger for Mason Rudolph. Because they but they got Dwayne Haskins as well, too. I mean, but even, but yeah, I, I, I even doubt. Dwayne Haskins, they don't they don't necessarily trust him because they, they're putting all their eggs in one basket. Which I is think Mike that, Tomlin and Big Ben just have too much of yeah. chemistry and history together that he's get, like, I'm not going to do him dirty. <laughs> And again, I get it. I get it. Like you got that loyalty going on and you got that. And I'm all about that. I, I totally get that. But look, man, I mean, he can come on. Not when you're been, playing like this. It look, like even when you little, got, it's been way too long with Ben. When you got opposing receivers talking about how it looks like they gave Tyler up. Boy. Yeah. When you, when you have that, like, come on now. I don't know. It's yeah. No, but I definitely think Mike Tomlin's in a tough situation right now with big ben he doesn't want to do him dirty at the same time it's like bro you got to win ball games right now like but i mike tomlin will honestly probably never be on the hot seat for the steelers just for what never. he's done just for the, what he's done for the organization for the, exactly but for me i gotta go with the bears gaining a total of 47 yards all game long let me put this into perspective we just <laughs> talked about the Justin Tucker field goal being 66 yards. That's 19 yards more than the entire Bears offense put up this past Sunday. So, I mean, th- th- this week coming in was supposed to be a huge week for the Bears. You have Justin Field starting. You know, you want to give hopes for your fans, for the organization. But it, it was the absolute opposite that happened this week. And granted, it was against the Browns, and they are a good defense. But not being able to put up more than 50 yards of offense in a game is ridiculous. So, I, I've hey. been saying this, but and and I'm always gonna be on this train. But hashtag fire Matt Nagy. That's that's just got what it's got to be. Um, You're not alone. You're not alone. A lot of people have been saying that. I mean, oh, I know, I know. A lot I'm of people alone, saying but... Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. Absolutely, because I... the game plan 
was just bad. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The game plan was bad offensively. And again, this dude's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, but he doesn't know how to whisper to any quarterbacks. The funny thing <laughs> is, I think Matt Nagy had the best odds to be fired first. That's why right? Vegas Vegas had him as the number one coach to be fired first as the favorite. So, but because look at it, you had all offseason to figure out a game plan for eventually whenever you have Justin Fields taking over as a starting quarterback. And like, that's what you execute. That's what you end up doing. And now he comes out and says that there's going to be one of the three quarterbacks that it's going to be starting, whether it's Dalton, Nick Foles, or Justin yeah, Fields. So, now is, yeah, that's crazy. so you're telling me that you traded up to draft your franchise quarterback. And after one bad game, you're looking to have a quarterback battle. And on top of that, I just feel like he's playing the blame game. And he's basically just pointed at Justin Fields saying like, yeah, this loss is on you. It's not on me because I'm going to have a quarterback tryout basically to see who starts. So I think it's just bad. And he put him in a shitty situation, like literally trying to block the bare minimum amount of people, which is a five offensive line when they were sending six guys and having Justin Fields just run for his life. So I don't know. I, it's I've been the same way about the Bears and Matt Nagy the entire time. And now I'm actually like starting to feel for Bear, Bears fans at this point, because it's just like, bro, like, come on, help help them out. Like you guys have weapons. You guys have Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Montgomery. You guys have a decent offensive line. It's not like you guys have a shitty offensive line. So and then you, on top of that, you have a defense to back you up. But it's just 47 total yards. I just can't get over that. <laughs> I can't get over that. The fact that a field goal is longer than that is insane. Let's move on. We had the game of the week, week number three. We had the Buccaneers versus the Rams, a possible NFC championship matchup. Didn't really live up to expectations. Rams won 34 to 24. Thoughts on the game, Corey? Um, it kind of felt like uh I thought it was gonna be a shootout, to be honest with you. I thought it was gonna be a lot of tit for tat, but it was a lot of yards. I mean, it was a lot of yards. And they both teams, you know, put up a lot of points. But, uh, I mean, shout out to the the Rams because I picked them to win. Don't get me wrong. I picked them to win. But it was like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I was just hoping that Matthew Stafford was able to get the ball downfield and didn't stink it up. And, man, he was hooking up with Cooper Cup, it felt like, on a regular basis. Like, they was just like, boom, 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 just knocking it down. And so – and then that pass to Deshaun Jackson was – the way that Stafford kind of carved up the defense, though, was very concerning if you were looking at the Bucks to repeat because it's like, yo, like, that can't be happening. I know they do have injuries. Don't get me wrong. I know they have some, in, uh, some issues that they got to fix out. But, man, they were getting carved up in L.A. And it was just like, yo, what what is happening? And then the defense did their job, too. Like, they really kept Brady in check for the most part. And, you know, there's already concerns about, you know, Gronkowski's health. And, you know, obviously, you know, they didn't have Antonio Brown. I understand that. But, I mean, you still got still got weapons. Still got weapons to utilize. And they just, they just struggled offensively in that kind of – you know, played out for the entire game. Like them not being able to be that same dominant force on the offensive side, it really put their defense in a really suspect position and they just had no answer for the Rams offense. Yeah. The, it, I mean, 
it wasn't as close as the score says it was right. throughout the game. Right. But the, the Rams just looked so dominant. And I knew I should have taken the Rams. I even said it. I was like, <laughs> dude, I don't know. But as soon as you picked the Rams, I was like, all right, I got to change up the standings. I'm going to go with the Bucks. But yeah. I was just like, honestly, I, I won't be surprised whatsoever. It felt like a trap game win. for sure. Because I, I did say the, the Bucks were favored when we did the podcast. But I said, I won't be surprised if it turned into an even and a pick them like uh, for the spread. <laughs> and which is exactly what happened. So, mm-hmm. but talking about Stafford and Cooper Cup, that connection might be one of the best, if not the best quarterback receiver combo in the NFL this season. Cup has... 367 yards and five touchdowns through three weeks. And although he's not going to be putting up those numbers uh, consistently, I like to play the hypothetical game. And (laughs) if he did, he'd be on pace for 142 receptions, 2,080 yards and 28 touchdowns. That's that's the ridiculous pace he's on. And as for Matt Stafford, he's on pace for 5,300 passing yards and 51 touchdowns. The Rams offense has been absolutely killing it. And even this game, despite not even having their starting running back and they're just that dominant. And then on top, you had the defense on top of that. But speaking, I think this would have been a totally different ball game if Jared Goff was starting under center instead of Matt Stafford. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. I I think we're past that question. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, for anybody, for anybody who had their doubts about the trade, I don't think this is the stamp that they needed to be able to be like, yo, this is the reason that they traded for him. And they got they got a totally better upgrade as far as, absolutely, you know, Matthew Stafford is concerned. So, I mean, the dude is and I saw a stat that said, like, seasons starting, uh, you know, three and oh for Matthew Stafford. I think he only had like one out of 16 or like one out of whatever it was, like one out of six or something crazy like that when he was in Detroit and like. You know, right now, like Rams are balling right now. And so, I mean, this is you could definitely tell that he's in a groove. And I just think that, you know, if he continues at this pace, like you said, he might get 50 touchdowns. Uh, Like if you have him in fantasy, you're probably looking at shots right now and hoping that that dude stays healthy all season. Dark horse MVP for sure. But looking at the Bucks side of things, I mean, they look just a step slower than the Rams. And although Brady put up great numbers, 430 passing yards, uh, the Bucks run game was nowhere to be found. I mean, when when Tom Brady is your leading rusher, that's oh, all yeah, you that's need right. to know. So and I mean, I know the Bucks lost some key players. Jamel Dean, he went down early and then he, he also dropped the wide open interception before he got injured. And then Rob Gronkowski, who I honestly thought he broke his rib when he had that when Bro, he got he hit by like, that. He looked like I thought he was going to be done for like at least a couple months. He was going to be on the show. Yeah, but the x-rays did come negative. He's looking to play this week in his uh home return to you know foxborough uh but the crazy news after the game was the buccaneers brought in richard sherman to for a meeting so that's possibly a signing there's that Bro, they said that so- richard sherman is in playing shape back to what he was in uh when he was with the 49ers i know he's dealing with some off the field stuff but i mean there's meetings and it's a very possible chance that Richard Sherman signs with the Buccaneers, which would be a huge upgrade to their And that would be secondary. crazy because I just remember that picture of uh, Tom Brady uh, and Sherman, like going up to like shake his hand or whatever. And Brady just like on his knee, like pondering, like, mm, I don't know if I want to shake your hand right now, but like, yo, they, those two have had their, their, had their moments. And I just thought like, man, that's going to be crazy. Like they're going to be on the same team, opposite sides of the ball. It's going to be nuts. Yeah. Well, since that was the game of the week and the Rams did win our current standing with the listeners remaining undefeated 3-0, Sheesh. 
Corey moves up. Corey moves up to two and one, and I am at one and two at the bottom of the totem pole. But let's see if I could bounce back this week with our week four game of the week, and that is the Baltimore Ravens, who are two and one, going to Denver to play the Broncos, who are undefeated. (laughs) Currently, the Broncos are a half point favorite currently. Um, and after Baltimore snuck that W in Detroit and Denver shut out the Jets, I'm not entirely surprised by this line. And but I wouldn't be surprised if this game becomes a pick 'em or the Ravens are favored come Sunday. So, who do you have winning this game, Corey? I mean, I'm gonna rock out with the Broncos to be honest with you. Um, I, I just think that. Teddy's been playing solid. I mean, nobody's really even mentioned how, about his play, and it's nothing that's going to wow you, but Teddy's been just good for them, and I think that's what they kind of just needed was somebody who was just good at the quarterback position, and the defense is always going to keep them within striking distance as much as they possibly can because they can get pressure on the quarterback, and it's not like there are any slouches either. So um, I think Denver, that, that mile-high temperature, man, that's always going to be difficult to play. And, you know, whenever you travel there and I just think that coming off a win like that with the Ravens, that's going to be an interesting dynamic of can they get, you know, can they just be able to switch it back up and switch it back on another road game, tough opponent, undefeated opponent. Can they go out there and just, you know, make them catch their first L? Although the Broncos are undefeated, their opponents are combined 0-9 True. so far. That is true. That so. is true. I mean, and I, I think one person who's going to be ecstatic about playing in Denver this upcoming week is Justin Tucker because Bow High, he might even hit a 70-yard field goal this, this <laughs> week. But looking at the Ravens, they were missing three key guys on their defensive line last week, and it definitely showed. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams had a field day versus the Ravens. And also, Marquise Hollywood-Brown dropped key, key balls. He dropped two touchdowns at least last week. So, but the thing is, I will say is Lamar's been looking better each week as a passer. And it seems like he's kind of knocking off the rust from the off season, but the Broncos looking at their side of things, despite losing Bradley Chubb, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Ronald Darby, all key guys on both sides of the ball. They're still a solid team. They're they're three and oh for a reason, but I think the Ravens will come back to normalcy and I think they'll be a lot better than last week. And I got the Ravens in this game. So I'm actually glad you picked the Broncos because I'm a rock with my <laughs> Ravens. So I can hope I was tempted move up. to pick them, but after what they did last week, I just feel like, you know, I could definitely see them coming back down to earth, but Hey, I'm probably going to be wrong. No, just saying that right now. Watch. No, I'm hoping you're wrong. Yeah, Cause I need, yeah, I can't hey, be in last watch no Tucker, more. Hey, watch Tucker, watch Tucker hit a 70 yarder for the game winner. He's like, yo, y'all thought what I did last week was cool. Watch me hit a 70 yarder. Watch him just hit it from the end, from the end zone. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But... <laughs> just, 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 just rear back and just kick one from the end zone. End zone to end zone. First I just, done. I need the listeners to pick the Ravens just so I can, because the <laughs> listeners are undefeated. So if, yeah. I, if they pick the Ravens, I think I'm solid. Yeah, you just gonna feel like, yo, I'm on cloud nine. So make sure y'all go, y'all vote the Ravens or the Broncos. I will say that uh, on our social media, we're posting on Twitter, on Instagram. So make sure you guys send your votes in there. Moving on, we got MLB. We got the postseason push. We talked about it last episode, but there's about six games remaining, five for some teams as well, too. 
And uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. My prediction of the Cardinals winning the division, that's not going <laughs> to come into fruition because the Brewers clinched the National League Central division. But let's update you guys on the wild card standings. As of Wednesday morning, we got the Yankees. They are two games ahead of the Red Sox for the first wild card spot and you have the Red Sox there and it was pretty crazy because the Yankees they were the Red Sox were two games ahead of the Yankees coming into last weekend and the Yankees swept the Red Sox although there was some controversy the Red Sox did get done dirty in game three and probably should have been a game up on the Yankees right now but uh or sorry should be uh tied with the Yankees right now but the Red Sox, they ended up losing to the Orioles. So, the, you know, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Mariners, their prayers were answered that the Orioles would come through. So you have the Yankees, and you have the Red Sox holding wild card spots. And then you have the Mariners. I told you guys, don't sleep on the Mariners. They have a good schedule, and they're only a half game back of that last wild card spot. And then you got the Blue Jays, who has two more games against the Yankees. They're a game back from that last wild card spot. And you have the Oakland A's, three and a half games behind that last wild card spot and they are playing the Mariners. They have two more games remaining from that uh, uh, series. And then moving on to the national league, you have the Dodgers who are Dodgers and Cardinals clinch the wild card spot. And I don't know if the Do- Cardinals will ever lose a game again. Corey, I told you, you. I told you the regular season. They're not losing. They are not losing that 17, 17, 17, baby. This is the longest win streak in national league since 1951, 60 years. Long may it continue. Yeah, it is. Uh, or sorry, 70 years? Is that? Yeah, that's 70 years. Yeah, yeah. Insane. So, yeah, Cardinals may not lose a game. And they got the two wild card spots. The only team in the hunt are the Philadelphia Phillies, who are three and a half games behind the Braves for that division Still uh, a chance. title. Still, Still a, chance. a chance. Them losing to the Braves on Tuesday night was brutal, though. Definitely needed them to win that if they wanted a chance. So, MLB's coming down to the wire. You excited for this drama? Oh, absolutely. I just feel like, you know, the Yankees definitely listen to our podcast because because uh, whenever whenever we doubt them, they just show up. But whenever we praise them, they, they decide to take a they decide to take the half of the season off and be like, ah, maybe we got to stop with the Yankee takes then. I know because leave that to John boy. Say, every single time we, we, we say something positive about the Yankees, they don't show up. But every single time we criticize them, then all of a sudden they come back to life. So I'm like, bro, maybe I should just shit talk the Yankees for the rest of the season. <laughs> place a bet on them to win it all and just talk I know, shit on right? them all In the meantime. But speaking of drama, let's move on to the NBA. We haven't talked about the NBA since probably free agency. Mm-hmm. And there's been some uh, big stirs with a really big name, and that is Ben Simmons. The Sixers think that they can still keep Ben Simmons on the team, but, the Sim- but Ben Simmons, he wants out. Daryl Morey said he remains optimistic that Simmons will remain on the team. Ben Simmons said he will not report to the opening of training camp next week and quote intends to never play another game for the franchise and quote. So there's some uh, big words. And uh, mind you, Ben Simmons is only 25 years old and a multiple all-star with four years left on his contract. He's an all defensive player and he's one of the best passers in the league. So Ben Simmons looking for a fresh start. Well, whereas the Sixers are trying to keep him on the team. What do you think the outcome is going to be? I think, it's right there. <laughs> I, think, I think it's an uh, interesting situation right now because you look at all the drama that ensued after Philly lose to Atlanta and everybody's just, you know, this Talk entire rivers. off season, this entire off season, Talk like Philly rivers. has, yes, 
Doc Rivers. I'm sorry. I just got to get my little jab in there. <laughs> Doc Rivers and, you know, the entire Sixers organization has been under fire, but it's been mainly Ben Simmons that's been taking a lot of the heat. And I'm not saying he hasn't deserved it because he did not show up during the postseason. And I'm not saying that Sixers fans necessarily are wrong in their frustration of him these past few years, not improving to the heights or <laughs> improving his game, improving his shot, or just showing another dynamic outside of what he showed them when he initially kind of popped up on the scene. So I get it, but it's so funny that now after all the stuff that you talk, it's like a, a, it's like a relationship, bro. It's like all this whole entire time, you know, one person, whether it be the girl, or the guy has just been like, yo, I'm done. I'm done. I'm breaking up with you. I'm done with you. I'm done with you going on socials and everything, talking crazy about you. And then it's like, hey, you up? <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to come back? Like, you know, we good? Like that late night text hit different. <laughs> yeah, that late night. Yeah, getting into their feelings. It's like the Sixers got into their feelings and thought like, man, we really can't get rid of you. <laughs> like, Daryl Morey is having a tough time in his way. His only one year he's been there and he's got to deal with this already. He had to deal with James Harden and now Ben Simmons. And what's crazy is the fact that they could have had James Harden if they would have been willing to trade Ben Simmons. I think that's where it all started, honestly. It all went downhill from there. But maybe Daryl Morey just felt like, you know, he didn't want to get finessed in that trade process. But I'm like, bro, I get Tyrese Maxey has potential and he could, you know, maybe turn into something. But it's like, yo, it's James Harden. 50 you have Joel triple doubles. Yes. You, and you have Joel Embiid. And you have Tobias Harris. And you're trying to win now. So I'm like, I, I, but anyway, about the now, about where we are right now, I can totally understand why Ben is just like, yo, y'all crazy. If y'all think that I'm coming back here after all the slander I had to go through this entire offseason, there's no way that I can really honestly see. I mean, honestly, I can see him maybe playing like a couple of games to maybe start the season or whatever, but I don't see him making it through uh to the trade deadline i don't see them having to like wait till the trade deadline i think that they're gonna find some sort of trade solution to be able to you know make both parties or at least you know the sixers organization happy and they're gonna you know ship him out because he's gonna he's gonna do some stuff or he's gonna say some things and he's already started he's already said he feels he can't play with joel and beat now he feels like them, them two don't mix and i'm like dog like <laughs> if i'm joel and beat it's like Yo, I've been sticking up for you this whole time. It's like, what? When did I? Why you pull me in here into this whole thing? This is between you and the Sixers. It's like, come on, man. I'm I your think, homie. I think that's the craziest thing. The fact that he said he said it's nothing personal, but he just says him and Embiid can't play yeah. with each other. Basically, saying he can't play with arguably the best big man in the league right now, who has the ability to stretch the floor. That's exactly <laughs> the type of player you want for Ben Simmons exactly. on your team. And so I, I think at this point, he's going to try to burn it down. And he's going to try to do anything, everything possible. I mean, he might show up to he might show up to a game and just put the other team's jersey on, to be honest with you. He should, <laughs> hit, up, he should hit up James Harden for that fat suit. Bro, he might <laughs> he might do like a Destiny's Child and like just show up with the other team's jersey for every single game and just get booed out of the arena and just, you know, just not care. Because the way that you know, you get the sense that with Ben Simmons, it's like, you know, uh, he needs people to praise him, you know, and give him a lot of like, you know, uh, like tell him that he's like, he's doing well and tell him that he's like, and then if that, but if that relationship is somehow skewed, 
and it kind of feels like, yo, once he burned that bridge, he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like the type of dude that's willing to go back to how things were. I don't think. I blame. But I could be wrong. I, I blame, could be wrong. I blame Kendall Jenner for all this. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Yo, she did say that." No, she I'm playing. But I think I don't. I don't agree with you. I don't think he's going to play one game with the Sixers this season. Mm. I think he's going to be shipped out this offseason because you look at the NBA. This it's a players' league, and mm. whatever the players want, they get. And you saw that from James Harden, even though he did play games, but that you know kind of came out towards the beginning of the season. So now this is going in the offseason. We're about a month away from the NBA season, which nah, is like kinda... two weeks, like, like less than two weeks. Is it? Well, preseason or from NBA? Cause it starts like, like the, the, probably three I weeks. Think, I think like the, I think it's like the 18th or 19th. Oh my God. The NBA is coming fast and I don't even know about it. So <laughs> it's, it's the 18th and 19th. Yeah. I think it's either, it's, uh, it's a Thursday for sure. I know that's when it comes. It is back. the 19th. You are correct. So yes, about sir. three weeks, two, three weeks away. Yes. So it's coming fast, but I think Daryl Morris, you know, he's going to – the thing is I think he's waiting for either Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard to say something that they want to be traded so they can <laughs> – Well, like, okay. well, well, uh, some, well. Some some things have already kind of been said, if you think about it, with uh, especially with, like, Bradley Beal. Well, uh, who knows? We'll see. But I, I think trading Ben Simmons is the best move for both Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia Sixers. I um, mean, just because with everything that's going on in the NBA – I would be surprised if there are some trades that take place. Yeah, for sure. Cause I think I, I you've been saying it, I've been saying it that like Ben Simmons and he just unless he gets a jump shot, he just can't. Well, in my opinion, I think if he doesn't get a jump shot, he's not winning NBA championship, no matter where he is. Just because with a guy like Ben Simmons, in the NBA today, it's all about shooting. All about shooting. You look at Rudy Gobert. What happened to Rudy Gobert in the Jazz? <laughs> like you had one guy who couldn't shoot the ball. You look at like other teams as well too in the NBA. So it, it's tough for I, I I think unless he gets a jump shot, which I think he can get. He shows all these offseason videos of him shooting. I think it's just a mental thing. It's confidence, but I'm not gonna get I think into it's that. Also, I think it's also just the fact that when you look at the Ben Simmons. He can shoot the ball. It's just, I think he has to do it within the, the, the he's not going to do anything outside of his game, which you look at guys who have been in the league at the same time as him or around the same time as him. And when you also think about it, when he first came into the league, Kush, who was he getting compared to? He was getting compared to LeBron. He was being, you know, touted as the fresh pence of Philly. You know, he was already being touted as being like the next up and coming guy to take the the mantle from LeBron James and be the, you know, that next, you know, uh, playmaking, you know, uh, type player, slashing type player and point forward. Yeah. Point forward type player. And so I think this, but the difference is, is that LeBron, it was improving every step of the way his game was getting better every single year, every single year with Ben Simmons. Can you honestly say that he's been, taking a step forward in his game, you can't really say that because there's not been a new element to his game that you've seen in NBA games, not in the offseason, but in NBA games, that you can say like, oh, well, you know, he's shooting the ball more than he has before, or, oh, he's going in the post more than he has before, or he's doing that. that that's different, but it's it's it just all looks like, okay, I've seen that before. I've seen this story before. And the reason that I just had a feeling that him and Joel and B wouldn't work was their personalities just didn't mesh. They, they just didn't seem like they meshed as on a leadership role. Jimmy Butler said when he got there, he didn't know who, who whose team this was. He's like, I don't know if this is Joel's team or Ben Simmons' team. 
So it's like, I, I don't know what's going on here. And I think that that's been, that's been the problem since day one is that there's no, there's no hierarchy to this. It's like some games, Ben Simmons can be the guy. Other games, Joel and B could be the guy, but you can never really have Joel and B for entire season because you know he's going to get hurt at some point. So at, at some point or another, I said that these two were going to be the new generation of Penny Hardaway and uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Not to say that the games would be comparable to those guys, but it would be the same circumstance, same type of situation. One of those guys had to get charioted because you just couldn't have, you can't have these two elements on each uh, on the same team together because with them being young budding stars, they're trying to make a name for themselves, for their brand, trying to build up their star dumb in the NBA. So it's kind of like they're both almost competing with each other instead of competing on the same team. So one of them got to go. And I can totally see why now, like the Sixers are in this situation, but Ben Simmons, whenever he gets traded and whatever team he lands on, needs to use this as a serious reality check if he wants to go back to where he was prior to this past season and he needs to start taking this thing serious if if this is something that he wants you know to to be if he really wants to be a great nba player if he wants to be a hall of famer if he wants to be a, a champion then he needs to take his craft seriously and it just doesn't seem like he takes his craft serious that's the, that's all i can say the thing is i think that he knows how hostile philadelphia fans can be and this is just me speculating maybe that's why he doesn't want to take a jump shot because if he does miss a couple of them he can't get a lot of criticism and maybe that's why he wants a fresh start somewhere where he can start taking shots he can you know because obviously play or fans will want him to take shots in another area whereas in philly if you taking those shots and you missing and you costing them games oh boy you see you see what's happening to him right now yeah see it's like you're damned if you do you damned if you don't exactly like with him not taking shots it's like he's gonna get criticism but if he starts shooting and he's not making them, then he's still going to get criticized. Yeah, so it's absolutely. like it's like it doesn't matter what he does. So that's I can understand. But it's like he has to be willing to do what he does best. But the weaknesses of his game have to get either either get addressed, fixed, or he has to have a strong look at the mirror and, and ask himself, what do I want to do as an NBA player? Who like what? type of NBA player do I want to be? Do I just want to be a guy that's happy with being in the league and happy with having, you know, a recognizable name? Or do I want to be a guy who wants to be a multi-time, a multi-time all-star, wants to be recognized as, you know, uh, a hardworking guy, wants to be recognized as a guy who's always in the playoffs, always, you know, a dog in the trenches and always recognized as somebody who's going to help you as far as winning a championship. Right now, he's not considered that. He's just considered some guy who, you know, had a few years as an all-star and has kind of just tailed off. One thing you were talking to me or when you were saying uh, how he was compared to LeBron James and I brought a point forward, it's just really random, super off topic. But man, I miss Tyreek Evans being in the league. <laughs> For real. So For random, real. but I miss Tyreek Evans being in the league, man. He was he was fun to watch. He was a joy to watch, but he Bro, is. one rookie of the year back then. And he came I, in the class I, with D. Rose as well. Too. I will... No, no, he came in. Yeah, no, 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 no. He came in the class with uh, Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin oh, was yeah, out that yeah, season, yeah, 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 yeah. and that's how he won Rookie of the Year. But yeah, I was watching his rookie highlights as well too, and I was just like, damn, bro, he was a fun guy to watch back in the day. But moving on, anyways, we got some more drama on top of the Ben Simmons drama, and that is the NBA and vaccination policy. Over ninety percent of the NBA is vaccinated, and for the less than ten percent that aren't, 
they may be miss they may be forced to miss games due to state mandates. Example, Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, well, Andrew Wiggins in San Francisco. So players they won't be able to even play on their home court. And Kyrie, when you got to go play the Knicks as well, you're going to be missing those games as well. Or when you come to California, you're going to be missing those games as well. So they can miss more than half the season. The same thing with Andrew Wiggins. So now we're talking about trade rumors that's been going on, or even rule changes, etc. But Kyrie and Wiggins may not be able to play. And there's also other guys as well, too. But these are probably the two most notable names. Um, They may not be able to play over 41 games this season due to these uh, rules. So that could be a huge blow for teams, especially come playoff time, if they have to miss games come playoff time. So what's your thoughts on all this? I think uh, there's part of me that I can totally understand the public's outrage as far as like, why fans are upset or why, you know, NBA fans are, are questioning why these guys just don't go ahead and just get the shot um, or don't just go ahead and just get the vaccine, regardless of how they feel about it or regardless of, you know, um, their beliefs or whatever, or uh, their hesitations. Why don't they just go ahead and get it? Because, you know, you're an NBA player, you have an obligation and you're not only hurting your team, but you could also put you putting the league in jeopardy as well when you really think about it. But you have to understand the guys that are being uh, that are concerned about the vaccine are, you know, are, are guys who are are, are are more so we live in the NBA world where it's like the guys are kind of everybody has like it's so pre- player friendly and so team or, and so player oriented in the NBA that this doesn't shock me at all. And it's not to say that the same thing didn't happen in the NFL. It's just that the NFL made rules that if a player that would penalize teams for having more non-vaccinated players than vaccinated players. Look, I'm going to say this right now. I respect anybody who wants to make their decision to get vaccinated. I also have to respect people who don't want to get vaccinated because in the words of Jonathan Isaac, a guy who's staunch on his stance that he won't get uh, uh, the vaccine who plays for the Orlando magic. um, He got COVID at one point. And so he feels that the fact that he, you know, got COVID and the fact that he has the antibodies and has, you know, uh, his body has been susceptible to it. And the fact that he's also healthy and the fact that he is a professional athlete that he doesn't, for his perspective, he doesn't see a need to get it. And I can perfectly understand like why he feels that way, why he sees things that way. And for everybody out there, that's kind of just like, you know, kind of demonizing these guys, I get why you're doing it because you want them to just, you know, you want things to get back to normal. Everybody wants to get things back to normal. I get that, but <laughs> look around. It doesn't look like things are going to get back to normal vaccine or no vaccine. When is anything going to get back to normal, please? So, and then what's even just, uh, you know, crazy is just not to get political, but just, you know, uh, the fact that with, you know, vaccinations, we've seen people still, you know, get COVID. And I know that the vaccination, you know, limits your chances at, uh, you know, end up being in a hospital or ending up on a respirator or any, you know, serious thing or dying or anything like that. But I think, you know, a lot of these guys have already been either uh, have tested positive or have been around people who have tested positive and they feel that, you know, why do I need to susceptible, make myself susceptible to a vaccine that if I have reverse reactions to could jeopardize my whole entire livelihood as an athlete? which is something that people are not even considering when this conversation gets brought up. They just see why they're not getting it. You know, I had to get it. 
oh, who are these guys think they are? They think they're better than everybody, yada, 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 yada. And it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that they're a professional athlete and you're just an ordinary person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's been like that forever. There have been exceptions made for those with money and power forever. And it's always going to be that way. So I don't necessarily think that they're going to be looking for a way to get around it. I think they've already made peace with it. And I think that the guys who are willing to make this sacrifice should, on the same token, if they're willing to do this, this is a choice that they've made. I mean, everybody praises the choices of, you know, Colin Kaepernick when he decided to make his choice and make his decision, but they can't see it in the same token with the vaccine. But maybe they will years later. Who knows? Yeah, well... Uh, no, I'm not. Gonna I mean, I mean, look, I mean, yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it's what a, you're saying. Yeah. I'm but just saying the, everybody should have the choice of doing what they feel is in their best interest. And I think no, that, yeah, for sure. I'm in agreement with you on that. I was, I was referring to the Kaepernick in this oh, situation. Well, I think well, that, that, that I think they're on different pages, but oh, well, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. Um, but in my opinion, I think if the league really wants all the players to be vaccinated, I think they need to they should just make a mandate. They yeah, they either need to incentivize being vaccinated or they need to make players uh, lose the games that they don't uh, or like lose. They can't play in those games that they aren't vaccinated, which you see is happening right now, because also, you know, you know, if, if people start playing with their money and, you know, like they start taking away paychecks for missing right. games and stuff like right. that, that could influence of, somebody to. Get yeah, people will do sure. the most necessary stuff to not lose their money as well, too. So, I mean, it's kind of a shitty way of looking at it just because, you, I mean, it's not illegal to be unvaccinated. So, like no. that, that whole thing and the fact that the NBA, I don't know, is it considered a private company technically? Because it's well, not like well, a government is, is, well, association. The thing is, is that- the players association um, is not willing to make it like the league was trying to get a mandate as far as making the players get vaccinated. But the players association was like, nah, that's a non-starter. We're not even talking about that. There is not going to be a mandate to force any of the players to do anything they don't want to do. And because this is the NBA is a player driven league. The NBA was like, you know what? You're right. So but that makes sense just because it's it's pro-choice. And like I said, it's not illegal to be right. unvaccinated. So if it's not illegal, but like they can... what they're doing is, is they're not going to interfere at all with any of the local state governments. If they decide to put out a law, they're not going to make any sort of I don't think they're going to like because you know how you can get a religious exemption from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to approve anybody who tries to apply for a religious exemption, regardless of what it is. Like, I know they just denied Andrew Wiggins. And I think if anybody else tries to do the same thing, they're going to deny them as well. So I think this is just going to come down to how, how like it's like with any sort of a, like with a picket line or like when, uh, when when any sort of strike, any sort of like, you know, you know, work stoppage or any sort of like thing like that. At some point or another, you're losing money as a worker. And you got to ask yourself, are you willing to continuously keep on losing the amount of game checks that you're missing on? Or are you just going to go ahead and get that vaccine? Whether it's going to be pressure from your family, pressure from your kids, pressure from, you know, all internal people that are in your camp might even start turning on you because that money might be drying up. And I might need that money because I need to go ahead and get something. That's what I'm saying. So I think that the league i think that's definitely they're gonna some i wouldn't be surprised if that's something they look into like incentivizing vaccinated players or making players that are unvaccinated lose money lose their paycheck for sure uh come the nba season but 
Only time will tell. It's very early with this whole uh, vaccination. And who's to say that as the season starts, that guys don't start to you know change their mind to get the vaccine? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So I, think, I, think, I think I think it's definitely this a possibility. Will slowly be a process that once you know guys start looking at their bank accounts or wondering like, hmm, is it worth it? And what and that's the thing I always you know ask people who are willing to take such a strong stance like. I don't think you're a hypocrite if you're, you know, like a Bradley Beal or a Jonathan Isaac or a Kyrie or uh, Andrew Wiggins. And you make the statements that you've made about, you know, not feeling comfortable, not trying to get it, or you feel like it's a personal decision or whatever. And then you decide to get it. I don't think you're a hypocrite. I don't think you're a hypocrite. You just kind of maybe just realize that you're looking out "Hmm, for yourself. I don't know. I don't know if this was I don't know if this was worth it. And if it's not worth it to you, then I can totally see them folding. But if it's worth it, then dang. I mean, I got to give them credit because whenever somebody decides to go against the grain or decides that to especially stare in the face of NBA mm. media, fans, even even national news media is covering this. And then like everybody is like putting the pressure on them. If you're still able to be like, nah, I'm not getting it. I'm like, well, kudos to you. I got to give you your uh, respect because it's like, yo, it's not easy to be that lone person to be standing out from the crowd against back against the wall everybody's you know pre- putting that pressure on you to do something that you know you might be feeling uncomfortable doing or you might not feel like goes against your beliefs or morals so i, I give credit to those guys who have you know put out their statements and put out their stances and put out you know what they believe about the covid 19 vaccine and regardless if they end up getting it or not i got nothing but respect for them yeah, but I, I think one thing definitely not to overlook is just the fact that over 90% of the NBA is vaccinated. So that in itself is impressive from the NBA standpoint. Um, I mean, I know LeBron came out and said, but then again, LeBron's in a situation where he's kind of in a win now, but he's only getting older. So he got to have any chance at, at a championship. So but, pr- but prior to the report that came out that said that he is vaccinated, he did um, say that, you know, that's something that he has to look at like a few months ago, he said like he has to, yeah. he has to evaluate, you know, obviously with his family and um, his team and stuff like that. And I could totally understand, but it's because, you know, Rob Palenka already said that <laughs> all the Lakers are going to be vaccinated. Like he yeah. already came out and said that at some point or another. They're That's what I'm saying. So over 90% so. of the NBA being vaccinated is impressive because you look at the NFL, only one team is fully vaccinated and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, kudos to the NBA that's impressive uh that they can get that many we'll see if that number climbs or if it stays stagnant and i think what will be also interesting going forward is um if this does play out in a situation where guys are missing you know home games or whatever and will that cause friction in locker rooms because you know it's easy to say that i'm with you i support you right now when it when you're not in it but you know like you know if you ever been on a job and people's calling out or people saying like, hey, I can't be there or they're not there. You're going to be kind of looking at them kind of different. Like, hey, yo, you're not in the trenches with us. Like, what's going on? Like, you either with us or you against us. So, we need an in-season uh, series of the Brooklyn Nets locker room. We yeah, said that like, last season, like but a, I think this year like more HBO, than ever. Like, yeah, we need like a hard like a hard knocks. For the, yeah. yeah, for the NBA. And, you know, that would be crazy to see, like, you know, because the conversations are going to constantly be about. Is Kyrie vaccinated? Is Kyrie vaccinated? Is Kyrie vaccinated? It's going to be constantly be a, a whole thing, and you're trying to focus on just trying to play games and win a championship. So it's going to be it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. This entire NBA season might be the most controversial NBA season we've ever seen. If the if we stay the way we are right now, 
Yeah, he'll definitely be interesting. And just the fact that it's coming within three weeks is absolutely insane. It's mind blowing to me just because I felt like we were just talking about the NBA championship like a <laughs> month or two ago. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Nosebleeds. Make sure you guys are following us on our social media at the underscore Nosebleeds on Twitter. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds on Instagram, the Nosebleeds, and on Facebook with the Nosebleeds podcast. Because make sure you guys get your votes in for Game of the Week because you guys got to maintain your undefeated streak and help me out, you know, get on the winning <laughs> side of things to get back to 500. Yes, no, sir. but uh, yeah. Corey, any last words? Um, man, I'm just really excited to see what uh, plays out as far as the NBA, you know, MLB playoffs. It's coming up real soon. Excited to see what teams make it and which teams, you know, just just miss out. And uh, ultimately with the NFL, you already know things is going to go down and things is going to always be crazy. But we already know, man, I'm excited to see the Patriots Bucks game because, you know, it's going to be that narrative of Belichick versus Brady. And oh, shout out to Eli Manning bringing them two together in his tribute video because mm. they retired his jersey. Peyton Manning said it on Monday Night Football. I was like, you're the only person that could bring those two together because they hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that can bring them together because he stopped them from having a perfect NFL season. Absolutely. Dolphins record remains safe. We'll see if that holds up this season, though. We'll catch y'all next time. Deuces. Deuces.